the natural forces that led to disaster. The landslide fell from 5,600 meters to 3,800 meters, so that's nearly two kilometers. Saharan dust heading towards the UK. With the strong gusty winds can get lifted up as high as around five kilometers up above the surface. And teaching kids about climate. It's not to lie, it's not to say that everything's okay, but actually to emphasise that everybody has a voice and everyone can do something to make a difference. It's Friday the 19th of February and you're listening to Weathersnap from the Met Office. Hello, I'm Claire Nazir and this is Weathersnap, an insider's guide to the week's weather brought to you direct from Met Office HQ. Last week, news channels around the world carried harrowing pictures of the moment when a Himalayan dam collapsed under the intense pressure of a flash flood. Two hydroelectric stations were destroyed and tragically dozens of people lost their lives. Reports at the time suggested the chief cause of the flood was the breakup of a glacier upstream of the dam, but new satellite imagery suggests a far more complex series of events. Dr Rosie Oakes is an international climate services scientist here at the Met Office. As satellite imagery came in from this event, it was found that it was actually triggered by a landslide. The scientists who have looked at the satellite imagery, they think that the landslide fell from 5,600 metres to 3,800 metres. So that's nearly two kilometres that that big mass of rock fell down And that kinetic energy, like you learn at school, the kinetic energy of that moving pile of rock, when it hit the base, there was ice and other debris that turned to heat. So you have the ice that the landslide fell onto melted. There were then rocks, there was dust. I can't even imagine the noise that it would have been in the valley. So really a dramatic event. With climate change, obviously there's lots of different impacts, whether it's rising sea levels or melting ice. Landslides also something perhaps we don't talk about as much, but certainly something we are seeing quite frequently now, particularly in this part of the world. Yeah, so landslides are obviously driven by gravity. It's just the movement of a lot of rock from the top of the mountain down the mountain. But these can be triggered by changes in properties of the soil. So if there's more water, for example, more rainfall, that could help to lubricate that surface and then you might have a landslide happening more frequently. Or if the soil or rock is frozen and that melts, that can then cause the landslide to happen as well. So we could see increased frequency of landslides in this region linked to climate change. And this is not just reserved for this part of the world. There's been some pretty awful ones across Europe as well. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. I think, it, like you say, it's a combination of understanding the external factors which are causing more landslides, but also being cautious of how we as humans are altering landscapes and making sure that we're not increasing the risk of hazards such as landslides. Met Office scientist Dr Rosie Oakes. Satellite imagery will play a key part in tracking a weather event closer to home over the next few days, as dust from the Sahara Desert continues to accumulate in the atmosphere. To tell us more, here's meteorologist Alex Burkhill.
Saharan dust is pretty much what you expect. It's the dust, the sand from around the Sahara that can get lifted up into the sky. Usually, if we've got strong, gusty winds, can be associated with thunderstorms. This dust, what level of the atmosphere does it travel at? So obviously it starts off at the surface, but then with the strong gusty winds can get lifted up as high as around five kilometres up above the surface. And that's how high it can be travelling towards the UK. Can we observe the dust as it's travelling towards us? So at the moment, we can use satellite imagery to see where the dust particles are. And we can actually see that they're across parts of Africa already lifted up at the moment. Now, what we're expecting is for these to get dragged towards the UK. There's a little bit of uncertainty. Different model runs do different things regarding the positioning of the Saharan dust. But at the moment, there is a likelihood that across southeastern parts, as we go through Sunday night into Monday, we could see some of the Saharan dust. So. Uh waking up on Sunday morning, maybe Monday morning, what evidence will be out there? So as we go through Sunday evening, Sunday night, and also Monday morning, both sunrises and sunsets, they could look quite pretty, a little bit more beautiful than normal because of the dust particles that could be in the atmosphere. As well as that, as we go through into Monday, you may wake up to some of the dust particles on some surfaces, particularly cars could look a little bit dirtier than normal. There is the possibility that we could get a phenomenon which has a great name, blood rain. Now, that's when you have this Saharan dust in the air and we also then get some rain and it causes the rain to pick up the dust particles and actually take on a sort of red tinge, become a bit red coloured. And that's why it gets its name. And it doesn't it's not as scary as it sounds. Alex Burkle, thank you very much. It's not just dust in the forecast this weekend. Here's Alex with a decidedly wet tale to tell. That's right. Where it's wet, it will be very, very soggy this weekend. But it won't be wet everywhere. Parts of the east will be largely dry, actually. And we may well see temperatures up into the mid-teens. So it is going to be an awful lot milder, certainly compared to last weekend. But we do have to focus in on the rain because it could cause some problems this weekend. Heavy and persistent rain. We've got a southerly wind, which means hills and mountains exposed to that southerly wind will bear the brunt of the downpours. Parts of South Wales and southwest England in particular uh, became very soggy through Friday night and Saturday. Parts of Scotland as well, especially the southern uplands, southern parts of the uh, Grampians and the southern highlands. So in these areas, we could see some issues with snow melt as well, an extra hazard across Scotland, all running off into the rivers. There is the, the risk of some flooding. There are Met Office warnings in place. Don't forget to check those out on the website and through the app. It won't be raining everywhere, as I said, and uh, parts of uh, the central belt of Scotland will see quite a bit of shelter, largely dry here, and much of eastern England, although cloudy with the odd shower, will see some brighter conditions this weekend. Brightest of all, probably East Anglia in the southeast, where we could see some sunshine. And that's where temperatures will top out this weekend at 15 degrees on Saturday, possibly as high as 16 on Sunday. By Sunday, the rain in the west will be easing quite a bit. It looks a lot drier for Wales and western parts of Scotland, along with western England on Sunday. And it won't be as windy either on Sunday. The wind's tending to ease down somewhat too. Still some showery rain here and there on Sunday, but definitely the wettest conditions in the west. And that's where we're most concerned about. As I said, there are Met Office warnings in place. Uh, as for next week, well, it looks like it'll stay fairly mild and fairly unsettled with further spells of rain to come in from the Atlantic. Thanks, Alex. 
Next week sees the return of our sister series, Mostly Weather, the podcast series in which a panel of Met Office experts takes a deep dive into a particular weather subject. The first episode investigates springtime, and one of the panellists is meteorologist Helen Roberts. We're really excited about the new series of Mostly Weather, Claire, and we've got so much to discuss over the coming months. We've got microclimates, we're talking about local winds and how important they are to the forecast. And we've got a continuation of the film review that we did last year that was really good. And also a book review coming up too. All themed around weather. And we know we love talking weather, don't we? And I certainly, the panellists do. What's happening in the first episode? What are we talking about? The first episode is all about spring and there's so much to talk about uh, within that particular season. It's a transition from winter to summer. There's lots of change going on. So we talk about things like how fast does spring travel across Britain? Does the arrival of frog spawn differ from Penzance to Perth? And when do the first homegrown land-based cumulus clouds start to develop? Oh, that's nice and meaty. I can't wait. Helen Roberts, thank you very much. And the first episode of Mostly Weather will be available to listen to on the SoundCloud podcast site towards the end of next week. Climate can be a daunting and at times overwhelming subject to cover. So how do you convey the science of climate and the issues around climate change to children? Next week, the online learning series Let's Go Live attempts to do just that. And to find out more, I spoke to Let's Go Live presenter Maddie Moat. Let's Go Live is very much a family show. We aim it uh, at young children, so children of a primary school age. But what we love about it is the fact that we have families watching with little ones who are as young as three, with perhaps some of their older siblings who are as old as 12. So it really is a show for everybody to get involved with. So you're doing an episode on climate. It's a massive subject, though. Where do you start with a subject like climate? What do you talk about? It's definitely a challenge. The way we're approaching it is to start with the basics. So we are starting with the question, what is weather and what is climate? And we're looking at the difference. So we're sort of really building up step by step. And from then, when we know what climate is, we then discover that climate has been changing for a long time. But then once we know that climate has changed, we can go, well, what's different about the way climate's changing now? And then we can start unpacking this idea that it's actually down to human activity. There is some some association climate change with anxiety how are you dealing with that sort of aspect of the subject I think the fact that we're going into it armed with facts thanks to working with the Met Office so we're going in feeling really sure about what we're saying and we have a really strong understanding of the science and why what is happening is happening so that hugely helps and I think it's useful to be able to tell children the facts as they are but also to sort of, I guess, counteract that feeling of anxiety. It's not to lie. It's not to say that everything's okay, but actually to emphasize that, you know, everybody has a voice and everyone can do something to make a difference. And actually one of the most powerful things that we have realized, thanks to talking to the Met Office actually, is simply talking about it in the first place. The power of story and the power of just talking about climate change and making it part of the conversation is one of the most powerful things we can do. And because that is so simple and it's something that children can do as well, it's actually quite a powerful message, I think. Maddie, good luck with the shows and thank you very much. (music) 
And as Maddie mentioned, you can watch those climate editions of Let's Go Live by visiting the Maddie Moat YouTube channel. Just before we go, here's Martin Bowles with last week's highs and lows. Here are the weather extremes for last week, observed between Monday the 8th of February and Sunday the 14th of February. The highest temperature was at the end of the week, as milder weather began to move into the west after the recent cold spell. 13.3 Celsius was recorded at Armagh in Northern Ireland on Valentine's Day. During the recent big freeze, we measured the lowest temperatures for 25 years. On the snowfields of Braemar in Aberdeenshire, minus 23.0 Celsius was recorded on Thursday the 11th. The last time it was that cold in the UK was in December 1995. For a temperature that low in February, we have to go back to 1955. The sun shone for many of us later on that same day. RF Leeming in North Yorkshire recorded 8.9 hours of sunshine. The greatest daily rainfall of the week was at Whitechurch in West Wales, which had 40.4 millimetres of rain on the 14th. Thanks, Martin. That's it for Weathersnap. I'm Claire Nazir. Producer was Adrian Holloway. Do join us again next time as we take a closer look at the science behind the weather and climate headlines. Weathersnap is a podcast by the UK Met Office.